0: Hello, welcome to today, this week's, this week's episode of Juice in the Big Screen, uh, your movies review podcast. I'm one of your two critics, Joshua Tracy,
1: and I'm Corwin Heller,
0: and uh, we're we're embracing the uh, Halloween spirit here uh, a few days early, talking about some horror flicks, talking about 2018's Hereditary. And 1973's The Exorcist. Uh, Corwin, you ready to get going? Yes, sir. All right, where uh, where do you want to start?
1: Let's start with The Exorcist. <clears throat>
0: sure thing, buddy. Uh, 1973's The Exorcist um, was directed by William Friedkin. It was written by William Peter Blatty. Um, based on the novel by William Peter Blatty, uh, it stars Ellen Burstein, Max von Sydow, Linda Blair, DJ Cobb, amongst others. Um, it had Lee J. Cobb is in this. Did you not notice him?
1: What the, What does he play?
0: He's the detective.
1: Oh, that fucking pesky little mustache. I feel like an idiot,
0: dude. For a shame!
1: Holy uh, shit! I just never put two and two together.
0: Yeah, man, that uh. is him. Uh, you know what's hilarious is this came out December twenty sixth. This was a this was a Christmas release. Um. That's anyway, funny. right? Um. Well, they were going for a, an awards push, which we'll get to. Had an estimated budget of eleven million dollars. An a cumulative worldwide gross of $441 million. So, yeah, I'd call that a big fucking success. Um, god damn, that is huge. I, I'm sorry, anyway, uh, its tagline is the scariest movie of all time has returned in the version you've never seen before. That has to be for a re-release. There's no way that's the original tagline. Yeah. Um... Yeah, there's a few taglines, now that I'm looking at it, but I don't know which ones are for re-releases and not, and it does not matter enough for me to keep looking at it, so I'm not going to. Um, this movie won two Oscars on the back of uh, two, four, six, eight, ten nominations. Um, it won Best Writing for Screenplay based on material from another medium for William Peter Blatty, and it was also won... Uh, the Oscar for best sound for Robert Knudsen and Christopher Newman I was also nominated for best picture for William Peter Blatty, best actress in a leading role for Ellen Burstein, best actor in a supporting role for Jason Miller, best actress actress in a supporting role for Linda Blair, best director for William Friedkin, best cinematography for Owen Roysman, best art direction, set direction for Bill Malley and Jerry Wonderlick. and best film editing for four different people. Um, it is, a, it is about a 12-year-old girl being possessed by a mysterious entity and her mother seeks the help of two priests to save her. Um, this was my pick for this week, so I guess I will get started as that's what we have decided to be the best way of doing this. Uh, this is like a horror classic. Um, and what makes this, I think, such a good horror movie in terms of rewatch value is that this is a good movie. Um, I just rattled, like it's very very rare to get a horror movie that not only gets nominated for Oscars but gets nominated for so many of them and wins a couple. Um and it's also nice because it's not just a horror movie um in terms of like frights and spooks, it's like a real movie. Like there is a plot and everyone in it acts in a rational way. Um Yeah, in that's fact,
1: true. Okay.
0: Yeah, uh, and so. You know, we'll we'll, we'll get more. Like, into I just
1: it. totally didn't notice that, but it makes complete sense looking at it now.
0: Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll get more into it as we keep talking about it for sure. Uh, but this is an in- it's, it's also interesting seeing this be the first one, and it's not relying on tropes. Like it actually has to build a story with no inherent knowledge of you going in, like any of the characters going into it. Post this movie, you know, like it's interesting seeing mm-hmm. the idea of an exorcism be kind of wacky because this is like the first time you really would get it um it's hangs on the back of some really good acting performances some really good a-list actors um giving really solid performances it's it's well written the some of the effects are a little bit cheesy because it's the 70s but some of the effects still look really good um and it's it's got a nice tone throughout of all of it that reminds you it's a horror film while also not relying on the back of too many scares, jump scares, or just all around trying too hard to be frightening. This is an enjoyable movie to continue to rewatch. Um, obviously, you have to be in a mood for it. This isn't like, you know, throwing on, I don't know, like the hangover or something stupid. You can kind of put it on the background and be like, ah, eh, look at that mattress. Um, but it's, this is genuinely like, worth giving time to uh, when, when the moment uh, rolls around for it. Um, so we'll get into more of the details about it, but this is... This, this is, it, it is cool because it is a well-made movie, and it's cool because it's the first one of what ends up being an entire sub-genre of horror, and it's nice seeing kind of where it really all gets started. Uh, Corin, what, what did you think of The, uh, the Exorcist?
1: Um, so this was the first time I've actually seen this because I do not watch these kinds of movies um, and I went into this basically under the guise of this being the scariest movie of all time like up to this point uh and still to this day considered one of the scariest and I couldn't tell you a single time where I was like ah i'm I'm nervous about what's about to happen it was just kind of I don't know if it was already just knowing what to expect from, you know, not necessarily a plot perspective, just like I know it's a scary movie. It's a little girl tied to a bed. I kind of could see where this is going to go, but it's just like it was a good movie. Excuse me, because it was an enjoyable movie. Like you said, it was a well-made movie. But as a horror movie, it just didn't have the horror aspect to me. And that, I felt, was just the biggest miss about this.
0: Interesting. Okay. And I was hesi-
1: I'm hesitant to call it a miss, but only because I wasn't there to experience it at release. I wasn't there to experience this um at maybe a an age demographic where this would work more um but yeah that that's just that
0: i think there's definitely some of some disturbing scenes in it that still hold up like when uh when um Linda Blair is aggressively attacking um her herself with the uh with the cross um that's still gross, and uncomfortable to watch.
1: Oh, so this is um, definitely a gross movie.
0: Yeah, and and there's definitely that's the thing. It's like it's 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 got tone. It's got um, actual logic and reason, as well as being built on something more foundational than just like, hey, look at that. That's that's weird, isn't it? Um, and yeah, like if you're, I I in my mind, this is still a really scary movie because I first watched it, dude. I was like a fucking kid as, as has often been brought up on this podcast, I started watching horror movies and rated R movies way younger than I absolutely should have. Um, so I still remember like the little face that flashes up on the screen, I think like two or three times in the movie as being like super spooky. Um, but yeah, like this is, if you're an adult who is watched, even if you haven't really watched many other horror movies, you could very, very reasonably get through this. Um,
1: yeah, so, like, I, I don't watch horror movies, and I had no problem, you know, finishing this.
0: Yeah, and, and it, it's so... just I just find this to be such an interesting movie. Um, like, it starts off with um, Max von Sydow being... Which, crazy, he only, like, just died, and he looks ancient in this movie. Um, yeah. Right, right, like, didn't he just die, like, a year or two ago?
1: Uh huh. If not this year, no, not I not. had to go last year.
0: He died. No, it was this year, March of this year. Wow, crazy. Anyway, like it starts off with him doing an expedition in, I think Iraq, um, and kind of setting the stage for you know he finds some some old demonic-looking figurines and. There's there's some some tense moments with what's being uncovered in the archaeological expedition. Um, but it, it, it moves in this very sensi- sensible manner, you know? Um, they they introduce the idea of the I guess we're with the word demon. Uh, because mm-hmm. uh what's her fucking name? What's Linda Blair's character's actual fucking name? I keep forgetting. Um no this is why way. I have to have this the, the the um cast list in front of me cuz I can never remember character names. Oh god, what is your fucking name, girl? What the fuck's your name? What's the daughter's name? Reagan. Reagan. Yeah. Um like so so Ellen Burstein plays an actress and they're in DC cuz she's shooting a film and they're staying I I got the impression that they do not own this house. They're just there to, like, shoot the movie and rented the house.
1: Yeah? I agree. Yeah. Which
0: makes the fact that she finds the Ouija board in the basement totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Ellen Burstein was like, what do you got there? I don't know what that is, you know? Because mm-hmm. oftentimes it feels like... Because I've seen a bunch of other versions of these movies, you know? I I, I like horror in a in a passive way. Like I'll I'll just try to because when you find a good horror movie, I think I think it means a little bit more because they're so hard to come by, ones that are actually worth your goddamn time. Um and oftentimes when I feel like when I watch other Exorcist movies, it's like they found a Ouija board in their own attic and the mom or dad is like, how'd that get there? Where'd that come from? And it's like, really, bitch, this is your house.
1: Yeah. This like is are your you shit?
0: Are you am I supposed to believe that not only did you not know it was there, but like the the demon who is possessed within the Ouija board also put the Ouija board there? um like that's a wild conclusion to have to come to. um so I much prefer the idea that neither of them knew that it was there because they don't live in this fucking house uh and then the first course of action that the mother takes when when Reagan starts to act a little bit, you know off-kilter, is to bring her to doctors and follow medical advice and go through testing and speak to therapists. And it's like, hey, that all makes sense.
1: Yep, it's not a playoff. It's not like, oh, see, she went to a doctor. It's like, no, she went to many doctors. There were many layers to this before it was like, maybe it's the devil?
0: (laughs) Or some iteration of it. Uh, yeah, like, like, you know, there's definitely a huge aspect of wealthy white privilege going on in here because they, she has the, Ellen Burstein's character has the money and resources to go hire an army of doctors to go look at her daughter's head. But still, like, it's nice to know that, like, the first course of action was like, fuck, should we call the priest? (laughs) You know?
1: Yeah, that, that was actually one of my notes where it was like, wow, if this was anyone else, her daughter would just, like, die like this movie wouldn't take place because it would just be like your daughter needs psychiatric help and then this demon just like kills her And like that's it yeah in the film
0: and the fact that the priest is like i don't know man we don't really do exorcisms anymore like <laughs> i have to get approval from a guy and the fact that the priest is like also first off an interesting character and not there to just be the guy who shouts satan be gone or whatever Um, like he he has doubts about his own faith um, based on what he's seen in his profession as a psychiatrist Uh, and he is just as skeptic skeptical of this being uh, a possession as everybody else's like this was nobody's first choice this happening and i appreciate that so much
1: yeah i do too it adds a A depth to the realism because in so many horror movies, it's just like this is this paranormal thing that's happening. Everyone's like, okay, like this is so scary, but in this, it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, this doesn't, this is not real life. Like, what is going on? This isn't, this can't actually be a thing that's happening, right? Like, for real.
0: And I like what it I... when
1: they share our skepticism watching.
0: Yeah, I I want you to have just as hard of a time believing this as I do. And yeah. that, that might sound goofy, but it's true. Like I don't. It's so hard for me to, to. If they, if everyone just jumps straight in, on yeah, we gotta get a priest. We gotta get some holy water. We gotta figure this shit out. Like I I need I need you to guide me along to how we got there because that's not how life works. You know, like there's there's usually mm-hmm. logic and steps. You know, like ugh, anyway. Usually usually one would hope um, um yeah so i have not watched this in a while and so this this viewing i really like you get a lot of backstory and time spent on father Karras, uh the the man who ends up assisting in the exorcism um later on in the film and I've always like, you know, known the parts of it because I've seen it a bunch of times that like, you know, this is a big part about him questioning his faith and that that's like a subplot. But on this viewing, I really treated that and like this movie a lot more as the idea that it's not a subplot. It's the whole movie. The whole movie is about Father Karis. It's not about the exorcism in terms of how it affects what are their actual goddamn names. Ellen Burstein and Linda Blair, um, the McNeil family. It is about Father Karras coming to terms with the fact it, just just his faith. You know, it starts off on him uh having again, he, you know, he's he's smoking heavily, he's he's drinking pretty heavily, he's had to abandon his mother back, I think up in the Bronx, um, or somewhere in New York while he lives down in DC. You know he's a man of science he's got his uh his doctorate or his uh, m d in psychology psychiatry and he's considering he's considering leaving the priesthood altogether because he's just not truly getting out of it what he thinks he needs to and he's questioning his faith along the way and this incident not only shows him that he is correct in his faith and you know finds renewed meaning in the religion but also um how much he believes in and cares for people as he ultimately ends up killing himself to uh i guess help rid this child of her literal demon um and that in of itself is like a microcosm of i guess and this might be a bit of a stretch and if you say it's a stretch i will not argue uh but a microcosm of like what these psychiatric professions kind of like in some extent, is you accepting someone else's burden and having to bear it on your own. And that's basically what he'd been doing. And one of the reasons he had been going down the mental path that he had been is that like, having to deal with other people's shit is a lot. It's fucking exhausting. Um, And having to see the horrors of what other people go through could certainly make you question your own values and the things you believe in. And seeing this from father Karis's perspective i think makes this a much more interesting movie
1: so you're saying that this movie about priests is actually all about doubt this whole time
0: yeah this 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 is basically the prequel to doubt
1: <laughs> uh i'd love to watch like some youtube video where like someone tries to truly argue that point I'd watch that, but I really like that. I really like the idea that this is about, you know, the faith and what it means to follow that faith even through, you know, serious evidence against it, or even proving it, but just being so so devastating. Um, regardless, that that's a great theory.
0: And and this this film throughout the course of it, like even from the beginning, my, my first note is about um, the idea of rooting the film in the real instead of the abstract. And then I have written next to it, um, archaeology instead of scripture. Because they very reasonably could have started this movie in a way lazier fashion, where it's just like, you know, Max von Sydow or some other priest talking about how devils are bad. And don't go messing with devils. And then you just cut to Linda Blair playing with the Ouija board. And that could have very reasonably been the beginning of this movie in a lazier version, but it's not. It's a, it starts off with an archeological expedition to try to find ruins of previous civilizations being funded by the Catholic church, you know, so there's still the religious element to it, but it's by and large, a pretty educational um, venture. You know, this is, Scholarly work to some extent. It's not just like, damn them nasty mm-hmm. devils.
1: Well, to an extent, it's all about them damn nasty devils.
0: I mean, yeah, you're right. Eventually, we do get to the those damn nasty devils part. But um, my second note here is the Ouija board must have been a wild concept at the time. Because that's the other thing I kept thinking is like, what else? I is it was exorcism a th- a known concept pre-1973? Because, like, in the movie like they're, like... something you
1: could find in, like, an adverta- advertisement in, like, a newspaper?
0: Well, no, I mean, like... Because, like, in the movie, they're, like, you know, not every No one really does this shit anymore, but, like, I think there's a couple people who still do exorcisms. And, the, and that got recommended by the therapist because he's, like, look, like, if your daughter believes she's possessed, then do the thing that a possessed person would want you to do. To help alleviate the concept of whatever is ailing her and maybe that'll help which also totally makes sense you know they weren't doing it because these are strict catholics and they're like this is what we got to do they were doing it because like you know hey if uh, if she thinks her arm's broken we'll put a cast on it you know like until right. she doesn't think her arm's broken anymore like it totally made sense um mm-hmm. but even they were like look this isn't like really a thing and like linda uh, not Linda blair uh ellen bursting was even like what the fuck's an exorcism you know and I'm wondering if that's how the... Because nowadays, you know, we have these movies where everyone knows what an exorcism is. Everyone knows what a Ouija board is. No one's... Might have, no, not everyone's seen a Ouija board in person. So I'm sure there's plenty of people have because now you can buy them at the fucking toy store. Um, and I'm sure most people have not seen an exorcism in person, but, like, we're familiar with these concepts. I'm wondering if your average person in 1972 even knew what the fuck these things were. You know what I mean? Like, how part of mainstream culture were these things
1: right uh i don't know i was not alive then but i imagine it was not in fact advertised in newspapers
0: yeah i i i truly highly doubt that they were uh
1: that it's like right underneath like the newest garfield comic
0: yeah my my, my one of my notes here is do you know what an exorcism is which is a quote from the movie is an actual question in
1: 1973. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, uh, ta, ta, ta. Sorry, go ahead.
0: Oh, no, I wasn't looking to say anything. <laughs> anything. I, so they, they don't make this out to be the, the devil himself. Of course, this is some sort of minor deity. Um, and I like that they don't fully explain the who's, the whats, and the wheres and the whys, and that there's still some little inconsistencies, like the fact that the uh, um, Linda Blair's character reacts when he splashes tap water on her instead of holy water, and that that gap, because in theory nothing should happen if you splash tap water on anybody or even a devil, um, but that this this demonic creature did. Um, and left that room for, for, for doubt and questioning about the the reality of the situation. Like, that is clever as fuck. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Because it is in this demon's best interest for Father Cares to think she's faking. Mm-hmm. Because then he, he wins and he gets the body. Um, and there's all types of these little fucking nuggets in there shit like that, you know, that just make this so well thought out.
1: I really think that this is one of, you know, the movies that are honestly more often than not one that would really benefit from this not being my first watch through, but more of a review and, you know, look, look at the deeper aspects of how this film is pieced together.
0: Yeah. Oh, sorry, I just read a fact. I did not know. Um, you know the, the Demon Boys? Yes. You know that was done by a woman? I did not. Yeah, I just found this out too. It was done by Oscar-winning actress Mercedes McCambridge, who to get in the right state of, uh, I guess, vocality uh, to do these lines, swallowed raw eggs and chain smoked oh. to alter her throat. Ugh! jesus christ i don't know if
1: i'd want to be a, like this movie made so much money so i'm sure she got a good chunk but man that's a that's a tough act ask for a, a minor movie part like that even if it isn't exactly minor
0: yeah wow god damn
1: that must have sucked
0: yeah um it, there's a lot of parts about this movie that really must have sucked. Like, you know, when they're, um, when Max von Sydow eventually makes his way over to, to the house uh, and you know he, they start the actual exorcism scenes and it's all like cold and shit and you can see their breath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they actually just like refrigerated the room so it was cold enough that you could see their breath. That's not post.
1: I appreciate
0: it. Yeah, no, they actually just made it cold as fuck in there which I can't even, like, wrap my head around.
1: Just uh, another comment off of something you just kind of mentioned. They show up in the film way later than I was expecting them to. I thought this movie was going to be about the exorcism, not just that being the climax of a much larger story.
0: Right, and that's... And I'm going to bring up an excruciatingly minor point. But... That's what separates this movie from cheap, shittier versions that come later. Is that you know this isn't the exorcism of Reagan Mc M- M- what M- McNeil. It's called The Exorcist, and like that's why I'm so mad. And even even when I was you know not when I was younger and watching this movie, in my mind The Exorcist was um, Max von Sydow because he eventually comes for the exorcism. Um, but it's like there are so many sides pointing to the fact that this movie is about Father Karras that I just didn't right. get until like really this viewing. Um, but like it's called The Exorcist not The Exorcism. It is about Father Karras.
1: If you say so. I'll take your word for it. You uh, you tend to have a little bit of better understanding of some of these that you've seen before than I.
0: Yeah, uh, here, here and there. Uh, and I also love the fact that, like, again, this is a, another minor point about the movie, but I love the fact that someone died and, like, a detective <laughs> comes around to investigate.
1: I can like, you a, just, a, like,
0: com- let that death go?
1: A <laughs> completely disguised, the detective.
0: Yeah, wearing his glasses and a mustache and a hat and an overcoat. <laughs> But like seriously, like sometimes, like you know, and I get some horror movies take place in remote locations where you would not get like the cops for a while. But at some point, when like a horror movie takes place in like a main metropolitan area, and there's all these people dying, and it's just like, well, we found another dead body. That's that. It's like <laughs> no, there was a crime scene. There was a uh, there was body. There was a ch- there was a chalk outline. A detective came around. Multiple times to ask many questions and add up inconsistencies and investigate and do his job. Like, I appreciated that detail.
1: Just like a wild stereotype, like detective that's more interested in just like speaking into a, uh, like a set, player, or no off in the distance than actually you know, in front of him.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, uh, funny enough, he actually was trying to like do his job. <laughs> wild yeah we don't get much of that anymore um because you know i i i I guess just to tack onto it like it it, is this this movie is a quest for truth man um but for real like it honestly is and i think that's what lee j cobb is really there to show um because he doesn't solve the murder you know he ultimately lets it go because otherwise he'd have to try a 12 year old for murder so, double murder. Double murder. Or actually, triple murder. three Because three people died in her bedroom. Um, uh, the director get, who gets pushed out, Father Karras, who jumps out, and then uh, Max von Siddow, who uh, just is kind of dead. Um, that one's not fully explained.
1: Kind of?
0: Yeah, just, you know, so- sort, of, sort of dead. Um, so, he ultimately lets it all go. So, really, in terms of the impact on the plot, um Lee J Cobb has none uh but I ha- he has to be- he must be there for a reason now would imagine that reason is this this investigative purpose that is supposed to represent some level of you know searching for 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 truth in all of the the chaos and mayhem it also helps that he like adds some of the early intrigue into what happened to the director did he fall out did he get pushed out and it's pretty clear that he got pushed out by Uh, demon Linda Blair, but still, you know? I can't believe you didn't realize I was Lee J. Cobb.
1: Listen, I'm a dumb person. And honestly, like, right now, I watched this movie when I was quite tired.
0: But, like, if you go to Lee J. Cobb's IMDb page, I'm pretty sure the screenshot is from this movie. I get it. It is. It is. From, it, Lee J. House Two. He has. You know, IMDb has a picture on the left and then a video clip on the right. And the picture on the left is from this movie. And then the video clip on the right is from Twelve Angry Men. We just watched these.
1: Listen. Fight me. That's all I gotta say. I, I'm trying to. Well.
0: So. I'll oh, go ahead. What were you
1: gonna say? Nah, nothing productive.
0: Oh, nice. Um, so, so, uh, let, I want to talk, I guess, a little bit about about the uh, the various Oscars of this one, since it's just so unusual for a horror movie to get these types of things. Uh, so it won for best writing. W- what made you of the writing?
1: Um, you know, especially when we look at it from the you know perspective of this isn't something that was done before. This is essentially a. a a cat not not a catalyst catalyst but like a genesis for this genre and um it's just been been done over so many times and 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 used as inspiration and copied from so many times that you kind of need to applaud the writing from a much wider perspective than you would expect because there's no you know cheesy you know cliches here this is just what it is this is what those things are based off of
0: yeah i mean it, it, genesis is definitely the the right word for this um i would like to add real quick just cuz i kind of forgot about it so the follow up to this movie um which i've never actually watched and now i kind of want to watch um linda blair reprises her role max von Sydow is also in it which i do not understand because he died in the first one um Ghost. Richard Burton's in the second one. Um, James Earl Jones is in the second one. <laughs> Ned Beatty is in the second one. And it has a 3.8 on IMDb and is in IMDb's bottom rated 100 movies. <laughs> and I think I need to watch that now.
1: Yeah, I mean, Darth Vader's in it, so I can't really complain. Although, that does describe the thirty-seven.
0: And then, and then in the third one, William Peter Blatty writes and directs it. And then George C. Scott stars in it. So I, and Jason wow, Miller's man. back. Oh man. I think I need to go down a rabbit hole here at some point. Um, wow. The third one came out in 1990. Wow. 17 years later. Sorry. All right. I'm getting distracted. Um, so what, what do you think of this as, as, as a Best Picture nominee? Um, just to give some perspective on the award category that year. Uh, Best Picture. Oh, I hate that it's not sorted the same way anymore. Um, Best Picture that year was A Touch of Class, American Graffiti, Cries and Whispers, which, no, we didn't do that one on this podcast. Um, the Exorcist, and then the winner that year was The Sting, which is an absolute classic. Um, but what do you think about this as as a as a best picture nominee? Uh,
1: I can't really talk about that in you know comparison to those other films because I I just haven't seen them. Um, I just well, let me I, all right I I you, you're right.
0: Way. Let me let me rephrase it to make it a little bit more conversational what do you think about the idea of a hor- of a horror film being nominated for best picture with where that genre is today?
1: Oh, I mean, today I have, you know, no qualms with having a horror film be nominated if it is deserving. Um, I think there's definitely been some in the last couple of years, I think, you know, most recently, like mid summer, uh, which I hated that. really,
0: yeah, yeah. I Whatever. I I was mad at you for making me watch that. That was before the podcast too. So we never yeah, talked about
1: it. I don't care. I like it. I still like it. I still would go back and watch it again tonight. Maybe not tonight, but you know, today. Um I think it's definitely something that isn't really a stigma. Isn't it like, you know, frowned upon the way it used to be. Uh I think there's plenty of films that are in the horror genre that do enough and are made well enough to be deserving of that nomination so I have no issues I just don't know necessarily if I would view this film as something who should be nominated in a you know a a, a, a comparison where it's not just a singular year just you know in general
0: right I, I ask because it feels like because, you know, that was one of the, my recurring thoughts while watching this, um, is that a different movie would be doing, a, a, if this was made today, it would not be made like this where we get plot and introspection. It would be focused a lot more on Linda Blair doing creepy exorcism shit in her bedroom and then, you know, big, you know, a lot more like blood, and more pea soup, vomit, and all that shit. Um.
1: Oh yeah, like and- I fully expect that if this was like a major studio film now, it would be absolute garbage.
0: Right, and, that, and that's what I'm saying is like, and this isn't just for horror. I think every genre film has gone more and more towards, every major um, studio production for, for genre film has gone more and more towards the genre. You know, like comedies, I think, have less and less plot, which isn't necessarily to their detriment. Um, like it's it's I think it's pretty rare to see a tro- like a true comedy get major awards recognitions. Like the fact that like Borat was nominated for best writing back when it came out in 04 <laughs> was a big deal because for one thing it's very loosely scripted, uh, but for another thing like it, it's a straight out now comedy and you don't see too many of those getting major awards recognitions the way that they used to. And I'm not saying that comedies today are worse than they were back in like the '70s or '80s because that's a nonsense point. I think that genre's just more focused on giving you what you came into that movie for. And you know, if you go into a horror movie today and don't leave a little bit startled, you're gonna go, Well, that was a good movie, but I'm not very scared, you know. If you go into a comedy movie and don't like have a, you know, belly busting laugh somewhere in there, you're gonna be like, Well, that was good, but like I it wasn't funny enough. And I I think that there's been like a a slight for, for just cause, but like a almost like a radicalization towards like like the bare essence of each genre that this film doesn't beholden itself to because I think it's first and foremost like a drama that has horror elements to it and that that's just not something we really get much of and at all. Even at the time it was kind of rare horror movies before that were even really more just straight up horror than this was, which is what makes it kind of an interesting watch.
1: Again, I agree completely.
0: Well jeez, bud. You're gonna you're gonna have to start arguing with me somewhere here. Um
1: uh we will when we get to the scores.
0: Yeah, this is the this is the first horror film to be nominated for the Academy Award for Best Picture. Since then, um four other horror films have been nominated. Any guesses?
1: Um get and- Out?
0: These are very loosely designated as horror in my mind. Get Out is one of the is one of the four. It is. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, what's the? Uh, I guess I mean the time frame is like the '70s through now. Um, yeah. What other horror films?
0: These other three are very, very loosely, loosely horror.
1: Yeah, I don't even know where to begin.
0: So two years later, nineteen seventy-five, Jaws.
1: Right. Okay. Again, loosely.
0: Uh, And then nineteen ninety-one, Silence of the Lambs. Okay. Uh, Also, that one I think is the loosest of all of them.
1: Right. Like neither of those I would I would classify as a horror film and just like intense dramas
0: jaws i could make more of an argument for in my mind because it feeds off of the fear of water and of um you know and and some level of attack not derived from man and that's where i think you lose it in silence of the lambs because once it's about like murder um in terms of like a criminal sense like you have the fbi like there's agencies involved. It, it loses some of the strict horror aspects of it. It feels a little bit more procedural. Um, and that procedure, I think, takes away some of the horror. The last one is The Sixth Sense. Um, which, okay, yeah, I guess that one, I could I see. I guess. Um, I guess. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, also, Max von Sydow was 44 when he made this movie. And he is very much so aged up. <laughs> he was what? Yeah.
1: Oh, that's just... That doesn't sound right. Yeah, right? Oh,
0: And apparently the studio originally wanted Marlon Brando to play Max von Sydow's part. Which would not have gone wow. well.
1: Yeah, why?
0: Uh, because he was a big name, and in 1973, he... No, he wouldn't have been cheap. He just came off of uh, um, Godfather, and he would have been very expensive.
1: Extremely. But, but. you know... Marlon Brando, so I can't really argue. No, too much.
0: Yeah, no, he's he, he's one of those guys who's good in everything he's ever done. Um, I don't really. I guess I don't have too too much else to say. Um, because in terms of how the movie goes directionally, it's pretty plot oriented. Um, it follows in it mainly goes in in two directions narratively in, in one of it in story a um it follows reagan and um i'm just gonna use the actress's names again because i can't do character names it follows linda blair and ellen burstein as linda blair goes through the beginnings periods of the exorcist or the uh possession uh and then the b story it follows father caris as he has doubts ab- about his Faith and about the uh, the direction of his life as his mother is ailing and eventually passes away um, before they meet, and then the actual exorcism takes place. And in terms of the movie, like it really, it really just follows those storylines. And we touched on a lot of the main things that happen in there and why they're there and whatnot. But like you know, there's not outside of like that main point that I kind of started us off with about how this movie is really about Father Karras, I don't think there's really too much else to say, it's a horror movie, um slash drama. So like it it's just the experience of watching these things kind of unfold. Um so I don't have too much else to say, do you
1: No. Uh I mean I'll reiterate that it's you know to me a a horror film that's just lacking in horror, but it's a drama that's not lacking in any drama. You know, it's well done, well written. Uh, well directed, um, but it's not. It, it just doesn't do it for me because of the expectations to some degree, and partially just because it's it's not what's advertised at this time. You know, granted, you know, late seventies is a, a different time for, you know film and a different time for expectations and, and what would be considered scary. But watching it for a first time in 2020 is a little disappointing. So uh I give this a three out of five.
0: I think I know I think that's perfectly understandable. And I even told Cal because she's not a horror movie person either um and before we watched it she was getting kind of nervous because it has that reputation and I told her like look this is from nineteen seventy three like you're you might get scared because there's, there is some like kind of gross scenes in there, but they're very few and far between. And a lot of the effects are like when the bed shakes, it's not scary. No, It might've been scary in 1973 when that effect might've been new. Um, and we haven't seen what effects can do in 2020 where, you know, the levitation thing, which looks good for 1973 when she eventually is like literally lifting off the bed. Um, that's not that. It's, that's commonplace at a minimum nowadays so yeah having if you're going to watch this for the first time after the show like expectations should be built in that it is in terms of modern day you know blood guts and gore it's not it's not that horrifying um mm-hmm. and i think i think going in with that a, a three is perfectly understandable um i'm gonna give this a four i i i think that there's as much as I really do enjoy the drama aspects of it. And I am a sucker for anything that like has a critical eye on religion because I, I I like the philosophy that surrounds religion more than religion itself. But, um, I, I am, I'm a sucker for, I don't think it goes quite far enough into it, um, to, to push it over the edge into four and a half territory for me. And then it also doesn't go far enough into the horror aspect for me either to, to give it more credence towards, um, a different scale of measurement to give it a higher score for the horror genre specifically. This is a really good movie, um, but it, if you go into it thinking it's going to be terrifying, it's not. And if you go into it thinking it's going to be a straight drama that talks a bit about philosophy, it's going to have a little bit of that, but not enough to give you what you're looking for. So, I still really like this movie. I think it's very much so worth a watch because it does some cool stuff, and it's like the you know the birth of this type, this subgenre. Uh, but I'm not going to give i'm not going to sit here and tell you like i'm not giving this a five like this this is this is a four for me this is this is soundly a good movie um that i would recommend to people but it's not like you know it's not i don't think it's, it's busting down any doors um i get it. i do I do want to read you one one fun fact i just i just found on it because this is hilarious um so in 1985 uh joel schumacher um, who you might know as the director of *The Phantom of the Opera*, *Batman and Robin*, A Millimeter Falling Down*. Uh, he was filming a movie called *St. Elmo's Fire*, which is a big movie from 1985, at Georgetown, where this film takes place, and was attempting to get permission from the Jesuit priest faculty um, at the school to film there, and was rejected. And so Schumacher apparently complained to the faculty, "Quote: You let Bill Friedkin film *The Exorcist* here in '73, and one of the characters in that movie." said, your mother sucks cocks in hell, end quote. <laughs> and one of the priests answered, quote, yes, but the devil didn't win in their movie.
1: <laughs>
0: and that's fucking funny.
1: <laughs> what um, a zinger from the top yeah, right. rope. God.
0: Literally. Um, <laughs> okay. Anyway, so uh, Corbin, you ready to hop, skip, and jump over to Hereditary? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, Hereditary is a 2018 film written and directed by Ari Aster. Uh, it stars Tony Collette, Millie Shapiro, and Gabriel Byrne. Or Byrne, I never know how to pronounce those Y names. Um, it had an estimated budget of 10 million dollars and a cumulative worldwide gross of 80.2 million dollars. Certainly makes this film a success. Um, it its tagline is "Every family tree hides a secret." It has no major awards nominations nor wins, and it is about a grieving family that is haunted by tragic and disturbing occurrences. Corwin, what do you think? of uh, This was your pick, so you start. Tell me about Hereditary.
1: Yeah, so I watched this uh, immediately after watching The Exorcist, and I will say confidently, uh, even comparatively, this movie scared the living shit out of me. Um... I thought this was a very well-done psychological horror film where, you know, there were some jump scares at some points, but nothing over the top. I felt like most of the horror in this was really observational and psychological in nature, and I think that, again, is more enjoyable to watch than, you know, the, the classic, like, slasher jump scares um but it was you know at its core a very scary film that was also very well done very well written very well directed um and just kind of takes that that exorcist base and just kind of it doesn't just copy and make little changes it really builds on and grows this possession horror film um, and I thought this was just so extremely well done.
0: Um, I think this movie is fine. I yeah. we are we are going to disagree on 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 one major aspect of it, and I know it, and we'll get into it later. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> this is this is a very not a very this is this is I think a poorly paced film. For what is, at its core, a very basic concept in the genre of horror, I do think it does really interesting things with the idea of uh, possession and lineage and, you know, the, like cult religion stuff. Um, and I think that definitely has merit. I'm not going to shit talk it because I, I, I think that what it does ultimately is pretty cool. But it's tough. And this is why I respect I respect this movie a lot, even though I'm not a huge fan of it. I want to be very clear about that distinction. I think what it does is is very intriguing, but it's tough for this movie to be as slow paced as it is when, if you've spent time in the horror genre to any extent before, you know where this movie's going. Um, again, not the specifics because they they have some some twists in there, but it, it's not. It's very, it's very straightforward. Um, no, no major points of this were too much of a surprise outside of um, And this is this movie from 2018. So I'm spoiling for you. You can you can have seen this movie for two years uh, outside of the sister dying, um, which I think is the main point, which is what came as a surprise, especially with how early it happens. Um, Absolutely. I, there's nothing really here plot wise where you go, oh. Didn't see that coming. Um, And I think that hurts it when it's not as quick as it could be. I get why it's not faster because they're trying to do more with tone and trying to establish more in like an emotional way and have you sympathize with these characters more. But I don't think outside of Toni Collette, because she's perfect in everything. Um I don't think it had enough acting in like a royal sense to really character car- carry it that far. I think Gabriel Byrne was pretty flat in this. Um I think the guy who played Peter did an okay job, but those those two guys are asked to do a lot and I don't think they fully lived up to what they needed to do to have this movie be what it ultimately was. So I think this is a fine movie. I I enjoyed watching this movie. I'm probably not going to watch it again. But I would but I would also recommend it. Like I'm 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 trying to toe a line here. I'm not trying to say this is bad. I'm not trying to be a dick. Like I would tell other people to watch this, but I feel no compulsion to watch it again.
1: I think the only thing I necessarily don't, that I do like strongly disagree with is the complaint that it's it's too basic of a story. I feel like horror is one of those genres where you don't need to have a, a super complex, you know, narrative, don't need to have a lot of layers to the narrative and the story itself for it to be effective and to be incredibly scary. And I'm not necessarily saying, you know, you came out and said this, I'm just kind of arguing it just to to make the point stand. Like, yeah, like this is a pretty straightforward film. Like you're right. Like it, it is, you know, point A to point B, a couple twists, but relatively straight path along, along the way that, you can kind of see some of the major points coming and that's fine because at the same time i was scared shitless like i fucking cowered underneath a blanket at times um
0: which part which parts got to you
1: uh when tony collette just turns into fucking spider woman that oh, starts just-
0: banging her head on the uh, attic door
1: just like her, like in the corner, like the Grinch, only you know, extremely creepy. Er, eh, I'm not saying the the Grinch scene wasn't creepy, Um but yeah, Grinch. like that. Yeah, like when he's in the post office, Cindy Lou Who, he's like up in the corner, like pinned and pinned away, up at out of sight. Are you talking
0: about you know this movie the scene when, like, where like when the Grinch stole Christmas?
1: Uh, referencing Tony Collette standing like, or like pinned up against like the corner of the ceiling and the wall. A la the scene in the Grinch where he does the same.
0: I need to rewatch the fucking Grinch. Cause I did not remember that scene at all.
1: <laughs> it's when he like goes into town for the first time wearing that mask. He goes into the post office to fuck up like all the present sorting and is like hiding from Cindy Lou Who when she goes to mail that big ass box. Okay. I have not I, seen The Grinch in months, but I just I've seen it so many times that it's like, yeah, I could frame by frame describe that scene.
0: <laughs> all right,
1: all right. Well, anyway. I know what movie I'm picking this week. Um, Fuck you. But yeah, there was there was a lot that just like put me over the edge in this. And I, I was expecting more jump scares. I, I was expecting a, a much darker, twisted story that was just keeping me on edge the entirety of the time. But there was a lot of this where it was like, oh, I'm intrigued about what's going on with these characters and their relationships just as much as I'm watching this to piss my pants tonight uh, and get scared. So I think it's... I. Th- Think while the storyline may be fairly basic, or not even basic, I want to say, but fairly straightforward, uh, I still think it's a super well done, complete film. And man, I just want to say Tony Collette, holy shit. Like, I, I know, get like so the good. two guys are like whatever. The daughter's not in it much, but also didn't really do much. Yeah, but Tony Collette just. Carried this film.
0: I know. Oh my gosh, she's so good in this. Um, she's so good in everything she does. uh And I, I want to, I want to clarify my point because I don't necessarily disagree with you either. And this kind of actually ties in really well with what I was just saying about The Exorcist. Is so part of it is the pacing of this film, but another part of it is like, what are you in the movie for, and If the answer is not, you know, if we look at this in terms of, I'm gonna go just go again with the Hangover because it's the most like direct forward joke to joke film I can think of off the top of my head. That movie is joke to joke to joke to joke to joke, and to some extent, horror has become that, but with a spook. You know, it's like it's spooky, it's spooky, it's spooky, it's spooky, it's spooky, and if you're not gonna do that, then you need to do what The Exorcist did, which is have Bigger acting, more acting, um, some level of plot move forwardedness. And I think it does a good job of showing you what it wants to do in that space that isn't, you know, scare, scare, scare. But I don't think those scenes have enough behind them because I don't think the acting is necessarily there from everyone not named Tony Collette. And I don't think it moves through it fast enough. Like the like the scene where they're having dinner after um, uh, whatever the fuck the daughter's name is, Charlie, dies, mm-hmm. and Tony Collette just starts like screaming at Peter. I cringe to yeah. that scene. It's not a it, it's because Tony Collette's doing a great job, uh, but uh, everyone else it's just kind of like uh, and and.
1: Well, I feel like I the son I don't, I don't does a mean, good job of just being fucking traumatized, but that's really all he needed to do. The dad's just kind of like, "All right, this bitch."
0: Yeah. Well, that that again, big gripe with the dad is he was just there to die, um, and that was very clearly established since he's barely in the film. When he's in the film, he like doesn't do anything. So you're like, "Oh yeah, you are fodder." Um, but like, it, that scene was meant to have an emotional impact. Um, it was supposed to carry the weight of the death of the daughter and I don't think it did that and I don't I'm not not sure I can firmly put my finger on whether it was the acting or the writing of the scene necessarily Um, but like there is an emotional depth that it's looking for that I don't think it necessarily had which and what I'm saying I have such conflicting feelings on this because I think what Ari Aster does with the plot, like, what is actually in the plot, even though it is a very straightforward plot, is is a good take on thing. You know, it's communicating with the dead, but not using a fucking Ouija... Well, they actually, they do use a Ouija board um, at one point. But, like, it's not just using a Ouija board. It's not just the idea of, like, oh, hey, maybe it's your kid, maybe it's the devil, who knows? Which also is how it feels half these horror movies go. Um... <laughs> Like, he does things that are more creative with it, but I think there's a lot of in-between scenes that are meant to give emotional resonance and more weight to it that just don't quite get all the way there. Like, there's one kind of throwaway scene where um, Peter is with his friends under the bleachers, and he has to, like, run away because he's feeling sick. And it was jarring to me because he hadn't, like, associated with anybody outside of, like, that one party scene for like the whole movie and seeing him with like having to outside with interact with outside characters was like fucking weird. Um, even though it didn't matter. It's just like that level of him being a person outside of the incident wasn't established in a way where that scene like felt right. Like there was like little ways I interacted with the film that I thought was weird. And I, now I, I am firmly of the opinion that I'm thinking too much about it.
1: <laughs> yeah probably
0: which is fair
1: you just have to be scared and let your mind you know freak out over everything else and that way you don't have to freak out about uh, little details like that
0: Because I, I will say all the points of this movie that are supposed to be scary work they work so well yeah. they're so oh, well
1: it's effective
0: yeah and that's, and that's one of the things I really want to give this movie credit for, is that it is so easy for this movie, for any horror movie, to just be like, ah, booga booga. Um, and, then, and then you have to just look at this thing that like popped out, and you go, all right, well, now that I've seen you, it's like, that's not so bad. <laughs> um, but this movie does a really good job of being like, oh, shit, there's someone back there. Or like, a, oh, what are, what what's happening in this scene, huh? Um, like every scene where it's supposed to be scary is is a very effective scene.
1: I agree. Which is hard. Um, That's hard to do. I will say, just because you mentioned it and it, it reminded me of this, um, I think that this is a significantly scarier movie than Midsummer. But I still think Midsummer was a better film. And a better story, and I know you'll disagree because you don't like that movie, but um I really did
0: oh yeah i no i i I think midsomar is a garbage movie, and which is so disappointing because I think this movie had a lot of promise and midsomar was the big budget follow up, and I'm sure I'm in the minority of people who think this because it is a pretty acclaimed film, all things considered. But, oh, my God, I, I don't even, I, part of me wants to be like, yeah, let's watch it again and decide. And I just can't sit through two and a half <laughs> hours of that. I can't do that to myself. Um, again,
1: I'm going to talk to forever. you off, you know, outside the podcast just to hear your thoughts on it. Just because I want to know so bad.
0: It, sure thing, buddy. We can, we can certainly arrange for it. Um, but I think, I think this was a good take. On every, everything it chose to do. Again, I'm going to give myself the exception with uh, in regards to, to pacing and some of the acting. Uh, everything Ari Aster had like direct control over. I think he just did so well, and it's nice mm-hmm. to see refreshing takes on, uh, on some old tropes. because like, that's the thing. Like the idea of you take The Exorcist. All right, all right. Well, now we got to make an Exorcist movie. Don't just make the fucking Exorcist. And don't just go like, all right, well, The Exorcist didn't have enough scares in it. Let's just add more scares to it. Because that's, that's not how you make it. This, this is the creativity behind actually making a movie that uses some of the tropes from, from the genre that came before it. Um, which is how I would like... To, like, like so, <laughs> I tried watching a, uh, a Rob Zombie horror movie that was on Hulu the other day. Um, it was awful. <laughs> Oh, my God. I turned it off after, like, 20 minutes. I forget what it was. I think he made it, like, for Hulu or some shit like that. Um It was trying so hard to be scary. Like, it starts off with, like, this dude covered in blood giving a monologue to some guy before he kills him. And it was just, like, so, oh, my God. It was so fucking lame. And you're staring at it. It was in, like, black and white. Like, it was supposed to be artsy. And I'm, like... Oh, my God. Like, just because you want me to think this is scary doesn't make it scary. Just because you want this guy covered in blood to be spooky doesn't make it spooky. Like, it's, like, weird, man. Like, this guy's covered in blood. But, I mean, fuck, dude. Like, that doesn't really... It's it's 2020. We see dudes covered in blood on the internet all the time. <laughs> like, that's not that's not cutting it anymore.
1: Yeah, so I'm currently are, covered in blood.
0: Right? I'm covered in blood every day. Um... So to see Ari Aster actually have, like, ideas and creativity is, is really nice.
1: And I just thought the, uh, the actual cinematography of it, like, the way this was shot, the composition they chose, just the, 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 like, little lighting things, sound things, just, like, the actual technical production of this film was really excellent.
0: Yeah, fully agree. I think it's a beautifully shot film. All right. I don't think I have uh, uh looking at my notes. Um oh my I had one other complaint and it's that no high school party actually looks like that.
1: Yeah. Which is not but, an already. I mean, like, that's
0: that's every, yeah, high school that's every party in every movie ever. I was just games. gonna
1: say, like, what high school party in film looks like a high school party?
0: Yeah, right? Like this guy's really wandering around giving people drugs. No one's giving people drugs.
1: Yeah. Granted, dude, he where tried was to, this, he this guy when I was in high school? Like, Come on.
0: Yeah, right? Ugh. Where's the dude at the party who's got really good shit who's just wandering around letting people smoke up on it? Talk out of here with that shit.
1: Definitely the biggest lie we were all told as children that people would be offering us drugs at every turn. Yeah, It's just expensive, yo. We gotta buy our own.
0: <laughs> you at least gotta throw five down on it. You can't just take, man. You gotta at least pony up. <laughs> uh, yeah, outside of that, I don't, really, I don't, I don't have anything. All
1: right, what's uh, your score?
0: I, I'm gonna give this. I'm torn. Gonna give it a three and a half. Um, again, hmm. this is a movie I recommend. It's not a movie I'm gonna watch again. I actually, I've already seen it. Like that's probably my third or fourth watch of this. Um just because I watch a lot of movies as a, as a, as a person. Um, but I think I've, I've reached capacity for, for needing to see it. Um, and I'm probably, I'm probably done. Um, I think I've gotten out of it what I can get out of it. And I, I'm, it, it lacks in the areas. Like when it comes to horror movies, once you, you know where the, all the spooks are, it's like, all right, yeah, he he's back there. Um, so it's got to have something else to it, which is the hard part about making these movies. um, I think it has some some pacing and some acting issues, but in terms of whether or not those would prevent me from telling someone to watch it, they would not. uh This is still a good movie. It shows a really good artistic eye, it shows a really good creativity. um It's not my favorite movie, but damn this is this this is this is well done. This is really well done. So I'm going to give it a three and a half:
1: Yeah, it's one of those things where I want to give this more than just a four. Which is what I'm gonna give it, but I know deep down it 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 probably isn't worth or or not worth, but you know what I mean. It's not a it's not a four and a half, but I, I it's more than a four. I want to give it a four point two five, but I don't give out quarter scores. But I guess that's just where I'm at. You know, it, it's a technically really great film. It's really scary. Um, but again, like you said, like the acting is not that good. Um, and overall it's, it's, it's good. Not great. I would definitely recommend it, but fuck that. I will probably never watch it again.
0: (laughs) Understandable. Uh, all right. Should we make our, our picks for next week? Yes. All right. You want to go first? You want me to, you go first. Uh, I want to
1: base mine off yours. (laughs)
0: fair enough uh all right so by the time we record the next one Halloween will have coming past um and that means we can stop with the 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 spooky movie picks although we are still going to be spooky movie season um so I'll probably watch more horror movies in the meantime but I'm going to go uh understated next with my with my follow-up pick a movie that I have not seen and oh man a very long time, I'm going to go with My Dinner with Andre from 1981.
1: Wow. What a coincidence. Because I'm picking My Dinner with Andre, My Dinner with Abed. The episode from Community. Um, I am not, actually. But yeah, I was thinking about that this week, so I'm glad you picked My Dinner with Andre. You're welcome, buddy. Can I pick My Dinner with Schmucks? No. Okay. Um, uh, I've really wanted to watch this this week, so I'm going to pick it just because I want to talk about it with you. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's one of the funniest movies of all time. I'm going with Caddyshack.
0: Oh, my God. All right. Let's watch some Rodney Dangerfield.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, bye. Uh, oh, that was a bad Rodney Dangerfield.
0: Yeah, it was. That was really bad.
1: (laughs) Oh, well. I played golf this week. I'm in the mood to play some more golf. Josh, we need to plan a golf outing. Caddyshack.
0: We sure do, buddy. Maybe we can get, uh... Maybe we can get Bill Murray to, uh... No, he's not the caddy in this movie. He's the grounds crewman. Uh, Maybe we can get him to do something.
1: Something Newman. What's the guy's name for the movie?
0: Um... Son of
1: a bitch. Yeah, it's something, Newman. Paul Newman.
0: Paul Newman's not in this. Oh, Danny Noonan?
1: <laughs> Danny Noonan, yes. Uh, you're good. You're good at this.
0: I'm the best there ever was, and watches while well. we try to record this. I forget that character's name.
1: Uh, The best that ever was? Pinball Wizard? What? man, yeah, not,
0: nothing. <laughs> All right, we're going off the rails. Um, and that means it's time to wrap up. So if, uh, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at big screen juice. And if you want to hit us up via email, you can do so juicing the big screen at gmail.com. Remember next week's picks are, uh, 1980s Caddyshack and 1981's My dinner with Andre. Um, and, uh, So so, so make sure you check out those movies uh, before we record or don't. That is none of our business. Um, And until next Tuesday, uh, y'all have a go.
1: Bye.